Hi there. Welcome to the Culture of Life podcast from Human Life International. I'm Tad Wojcik, the Mission Research Specialist, here with Father Shannon Bouquet, our president. Hi, Tad. Good to be with you one more time. Yes, absolutely, Father, just like always. Today we're talking about your article uh, on Ukraine and, uh, well, it's really on surrogacy, but highlighted by the conflict going on in Ukraine. Um, so I maybe I uh, jumped the gun there, but what prompted the discussion here on surrogacy, Father, and then... Um, what is it? Because some people, I mean, me included, might not even be super familiar with the topic itself. Sure. Well, as in all the spirit in life, uh, Tad, you know, really are truly try to evoke from people, the reader, but also those that may be hearing something for the first time, you know, to consider some of the ethical issues that are happening that affect each uh, humanity, uh, affects human beings. And so what we're seeing and happening in Ukraine right now, of course, is really the headline, of course, this, this moment of time, this uh, aggression, this war. And so people are really, you know, kind of being introduced to this part of the world and maybe really don't know all the other uh, aspects that are happening in other parts of the world, like in Ukraine before the war with regard to surrogacy, because it's one of the only few countries that actually allows surrogacy to, to happen and actually has created an industry for it. So, so when this story came to the headlines because of the war, because uh, many of the, the headline media have been picking these stories up and uh, bringing them to the forefront of people's minds about, you know, the, the difficulties that women who are uh, actually surrogate, you know, uh, and are having children for couples in other parts of the world. And, and now these children that are being carried by, by these women uh, are coming to term, being born. And because of the war, uh, the parents of these children who by adoption or by contract don't have access. They can't get to the children. And so uh, this has now come to the headline. And so this is what brought my attention to it. So not so much the, the, the issues that are happening in Ukraine with regard to the war, but as much as what this this story about the uh, surrogacy, about the exploitation of women, about these children that are being conceived in these manners, and how they're being commodified, how children are being exploited, you know, as a commodity uh, that people can purchase and, you know, enter into a, a formal contract with women who are themselves being exploited in these situations. And so this is what brought my attention. This is what I wanted to talk about. So uh, it's an it's a important story because it's not just Ukraine where we see these kinds of stories, but other parts of the world too, where we have uh, poverty, where we have uh, people living in very difficult situations, and they think that this might be the only way for them to overcome their poverty, their economic situation. And so people who have means, you know, to quote unquote, spend lots of money to through in vitro fertilization techniques, which I know we'll talk about in a little while. But these are, so basically, you can see how this becomes a financial issue. It becomes an opportunity for people to make money. And, uh, and, and at the base of all this, obviously, is the human person that's being trafficked, being sold, you know, being created, you know, because someone wants a particular child or, you know, is looking because they can't conceive or maybe we have same-sex couples that are wanting to be parents. So there's a lot of different ways to look at this and to address these issues. Mm -hmm. It sounds like it, Father. It's a big, complex topic with all kinds of interrelated uh, elements to it. So maybe we can just start from the basics and talk about, you know, you talked about how Ukraine is highlighting this phenomenon of surrogacy at the moment, but uh, 
just maybe let's lay the groundwork and what exactly is surrogacy? What right. qual- what constitutes sure. that process? So let's start with you know with a with a difficulty that uh, and let's just talk about married couples, husbands and wives. You know that's this is really kind of in one way one part of the equation. So you might have a couple that's struggling with infertility. So the, they themselves are unable to conceive a child for whatever reason. And so what happens with the in vitro fertilization industry, so by in vitro fertilization means simply this, let's talk about this particular couple, a husband and wife. So what happens is this particular uh, biomedical industry takes the sperm and the, uh, and the egg from the husband and wife, and then they bring it into a laboratory where then not just one you know, is fertilized, but multiple eggs are fertilized. And then basically the child is, is engendered, created inside of a Petri dish in vitro. Well, it sounds like many children are... Many children, right. And so in some cases, Tad, I mean, it depends on, you know, again, what the laboratory is trying to achieve. And so then the uh, children, and like you said, that are, that are engendered, some are put into a frozen state to be used at another time, maybe by that same couple who maybe want more children. And then in some sad situations, uh, which this already is in a very sad situation because this is not how a child should be welcomed and gendered, you know, uh, in this means. And we'll talk about that in a few moments. But the reality is that this is one aspect. And so what happens with uh, some of the children that may be not being welcomed by the parent, maybe they want one child, two children, but you still might have four or five, six children from this same couple. And what happens sometimes is the remaining children are put up for adoption for other couples. Sometimes they are used in experimentation. Uh, you know, the whole uh, industry that we see in the biomedical world today. Uh, but meaning these are human beings. This is, this is nascent, very nascent, young human life. And, and so we see how this is exploited. So this is one aspect of it. So here we have a couple who struggles with the difficulty of infer- uh, being infertile. And that's one mechanism that we see not only in Ukraine, many other parts of the world. And, but another aspect of that, you can have a same-sex couple that wants to be parents. So obviously, a same-sex couple, male, and two males cannot donate an egg, all right? And no more than two women can donate sperm. So obviously, there could be a couple of factors that come in. That's what makes it so complicated to talk about because there's so many complexities to it. So in the first situation, we have a, a husband and wife who donate, you know, the sperm and the egg. So the child that is engendered is a biological uh, child of these two people. Whereas the one what I'm talking about now with a same-sex couple, maybe one uh, of them may be the actual donor. So, but then there is an outside donor, a third party that's brought in that has to donate the sperm or the egg. So, and in some cases, what we've seen is family members, you know, get involved and maybe want to help out. So they may be the donor. So there may be a known donor, but in most cases, it's, a, it's an, an unknown person that is donated to a donor bank. So, and this is where it happens. And so there, this is just a couple of examples of, of the complexity of this. So what's happening in Ukraine, which actually has supported this industry, it's actually created an industry, a very lucrative industry that I talk about in the column, where you know, you're speaking of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars that are, are made you know, in, in this whole industry. That's why I call it a, a multi-billion dollar industry, actually, right. because you're talking about m- so much money that is being you know, made by the in vitro fertilization aspect of it, 
the whole industry of lawyers and contracts that are created between, let's say, the couple who wants um, to hire a woman to carry their child. That's what the surrogacy is. Someone's carrying their child. And that woman could be in Africa. She could be in Latin America. She can be in India. She could be in Ukraine. She could be in any part of the world. And there is a contract that's established. And so much money is offered, you know, for her to carry their child. And then there's so much they give to that person to take care of them daily, hospital care, uh, OBGYN care, all the, the very layers, food, shelter, all through this process. And at, the, and, and at the end of that moment, when the child is given birth, then the child is turned over. And so that creates another layer because, you know, now you have this, this woman who is mother of this child, who, who's carried this child and may not be necessarily the, 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 the donor. She may not, it might not be of her uh, egg that has been used to conceive this child. It, by in vitro fertilization, they have taken the conceived, go back to that first couple, the husband and wife. So they've taken the child conceived in vitro, and now they've implanted that nascent life, that young embryonic life, into the womb of the surrogate. And would you say in most cases it's that situation, whether it's the husband and wife initially or a same-sex couple donating either sperm or egg, as the case may be, with either an unknown or a known person right. donating the other right. corresponding uh, part? Or is it, uh, I think it's a gamete, I'm not sure what the right. technical no, term good. is, but it's anyway. Um, or is it the woman donating the egg uh, more common? Do you, usually it's fo entirely foreign. It's just someone right. else's, two other people's baby Correct. in her body. Exactly. Right? And some, I mean, sometimes usually. it could be the surrogate. Uh -huh. I mean, that, and that changes the layer now because this is also now her child. Right. So her, of her own biology. So it's not her womb that has been rented, if you will, if I use that terminology, but it's also the fact that she herself has donated the egg that has been fertilized. You know, or the eggs in this case, because as you said earlier, it's not just one egg uh, that is fertilized. It, and it's many eggs that are fertilized. And so many children are conceived in, in vitro, in glass, uh, in these laboratories. So, uh, so, but you know, you can see that she's now at a moment where she's given birth to either her biological child, or as you said, in many cases, sometimes I, I would have to see numbers. I don't know off the top of my head in the sense of statistic. But the idea that, you know, that now even if it's not her biological child, she has nurtured this child. She has sacrificed all things for this child. She's cared for this child. She's eaten properly. She's been taken care. And now she's been told she has to give up this child. And, and in some cases, there's been legal battles on this, you know, especially here in the United States, you know, where she's given birth and she doesn't want to give this child up. And so that's created a whole nother layer. That's why I'm saying there's so much of the multi-billion dollar industry. So it's not just one aspect of the industry that I'm speaking about. I'm talking about the whole complexity of that industry. Because like in Ukraine, there are agencies that are actually in existence that are, that are in a sense, like an agency for you want to be a model. All right, you go to this agency and they're going to get you hired and get you for this job. Like a surrogacy agency. They're surrogacy agencies. And so they're making money. You have to pay them as a, a fee as well for them to manage and to oversee and then to find viable candidates. So it, 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 you can see how even the language, Tad, it really is so dehumanizing. The, the, this whole thing is about the dehumanization uh, of, of human beings, which is what we're talking about. So I always, when I begin with, I always begin with in, in these kind of, kinds of conversations about surrogacy, 
is the exploitation of women. Because this is, you know, this is what the first stage. You know, we obviously we can see the exploitation of human life. And we'll, we'll come back to that in a few moments. But in many cases, we're talking about women in different parts of the world that are in, in difficult situations of life. Many of them in poor countries. You know, and, this, and they see this as a means. So there's, there's your first exploitation. Because who can afford this? Who can, who can pay these tens of thousands of dollars, you know, to have this, this opportunity available to them? Only people with means, which means a lot of them are coming out of the West, you know, where they have the financial means. And where are they going? And they're going to other countries, looking for opportunity where women, you know, are willing to, to rent out their womb. Uh, and so, so they're exploiting women because in these situations of poverty. because of the poverty, financial difficulties. And as we see in the Ukraine in some of the stories, which really are, are heart-wrenching, because you have uh, surrogate mothers who have their own biological children, you know, that the, story, that, that the media is picking up on. And you're, you're, they're trying to get back, you know, to the Ukraine where they can give birth to their children. And, you know, they've sent their own children and family outside of Ukraine to be safe. But they're there in Ukraine because if they go to another country where surrogacy is illegal, well, what are they going to do? So you, you can see the tensions that are that are created here. And then you have the people in the West who, again, because a child is a commodity, ownership. They own this child. That's the mindset. So they have a right to this child. And so the media, of course, picks this up and, you know, and, and plucks on the strings, you know, and trying to, again, keep in this an emotionally charged situation. But... But no one stops to think about the fact that, you know, the rest of the story, you know, the fact that this is, you know, this is an industry that's created, that's creating children in laboratories. And then, and through means of, of science, implanting this new life into the wombs of women in different parts of the world who willingly, you know, freely, you know, I'm, I'm, I question whether or not there's free consent, but that's, that's a different conversation because when people are feeling... You know, they have no other choice. They're looking for means to survive. And this is a way to do that. It's quite potentially under duress. There's a lot of issue here. And then, but then, you, of course, the, the, you know, you have women who, who really know what they're doing and they, they want to do this and, and uh, they do it multiple times. I mean, that's, a, that's another story. But in this situation that I'm raising is that in most cases, these are women that are having in difficulties and, and looking for financial means to support their family. And this is one way to do it. You know, again, as I say in the article, you're talking, you can be paid up to 10, 11, 15, even thousands of dollars, even more, you know, plus mm -hmm. all the benefits that come with it during that nine, to, uh, actually a little longer because they are brought into the conversation before they're even impregnated, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, so this, this, this is a, a long journey that can be very lucrative, not just, you know, for, for, the, for the woman who is looking to make some money off the situation, but for the agencies you know, the people that are out there looking and searching. So, uh, and then the lawyers. the lawyers that get involved in this. Because if you're talking about a contract, well, someone's got to manage that contract. So, so I think what's important in the column that I'm really tr hoping the reader will catch is, is to really begin to ask questions. What are we doing here to begin with? How do we get to the point where human life is at this level, where basically it's, I, mean, I want to say this being respectful to human life. But it's like going to the grocery store, you know, and, and buying something. What, what am I going to choose today? What color am I going to, you know, uh, car I want to purchase? What color uh, suit am I going to buy? You know, because here you get into all the genetics and you get into all the designer issues that people like to talk about. You know, the fact that if there is a genetic abnormality, for example, in, in these situations, that, that 
at that very early stage, you know, the contract would say the child is to be aborted, to be terminated. Now, so now we got an abortion issue that we have to get into. And then we have to deal with the fact that we have other human life that has been generated in this manner. What happens to them? You mean you know, in, in, vitro, in vitro during the IVF so procedure? The whole embryonic uh, stem cell uh, industry that's out there looking to uh, take advantage of these moments as well. What happens to these beautiful children that are in a frozen state that are perpetually left there because the parents of those children or have no desire to have any more children or and don't want to see them adopted by anyone else or want them to be used by science. So what happens to these children? You know, and we've learned they these children live indefinitely in this state. So what happens to these children? Is this the way that God created uh, wants us to have life brought into this world? The answer is no. And so so the question that always is is, you know, how did we get here? Why are we here? Why is this happening? And how do we remedy the situation? It's Brave New World. I mean, it's, it's almost exactly like that that novel because they have uh, oh, right. external uh, incubation and gestation. Correct. That's right. And then, if, if I may add to that, just since you brought that up, we're not going to talk about it too yeah, much. Yeah. That'd be another time. But there is that uh, the external womb, you uh-huh. know, that's now being, you know, it's that is coming into this conversation yeah. where they're going to be able to to actually provide an external womb. All right, an artificial womb where life can be generated and nurtured and cared for till birth. That is there. That science is getting closer and closer to reality, which then takes this now where surrogacy, you know, may no longer be the the, the means by which we don't need surrogacy now. Uh-huh. We can now have an artificial womb. And again, not to change that subject, but you can see where these moral dilemmas will come in. You know, so you can see one side of the equation saying. Well, wouldn't that be a good thing? Because we have maybe, you know, the mother can't carry the child. Maybe there was a, a difficulty that was happening. Now there'll be a way that, that medicine and science can help. If we talked about it on that level, okay, that's one conversation. But we also know what happens. It also becomes a means for so many other things that move beyond. Commodification that's of correct. human life. And that's what's going on here. And in, sadly, not, in, I mean, in Ukraine, which is what the story is about, but we can talk about this going on in India. We can talk about this going on in Africa and Latin America Right, as and well. the only reason Ukraine comes up is basically because the mainstream media takes advantage of the war crisis, right. coupled with the crisis, individual crises of these families, or right. these surrogate mothers, you know, right. caught between their own families and, you know, right. the but children they're bringing their But also the, 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 the couples that are in other countries, because they're looking at the situation right. in Ukraine and wanting to know where are their children. Mm-hmm. Because they have, and I, I mean, I say this very respectfully. I'm, I can't, obviously. I mean, I know there's good intent, you know, in people's minds and hearts. I mean, in a sense of care, but they're they're thinking about, you know, where is my child? You know, uh, how am I going to get my child? You know, I, I've paid good money, you know, to have this this done. You know, what's going to happen? You know, if I don't have access to my child, and again, because of we we've we so dehumanized that little child, that that beautiful precious child uh, into this uh, into this industry and then we've exploited the women in those situations and we've also you know using this this industry that we see out there in the uh, in vitro fertilization industry here we are and at the end of the day these are the kinds of moral dilemmas that are occurring because we don't know how to tell ourselves no 
Sounds like everyone's a victim here, especially the child, but the women, the surrogate mothers, and then even the donors are, you know, in many cases, victims, at least they're, they're, they're falsifying their own ability right. to it's a uh, mindset it's it's, it's yeah. a mindset that's been created so again as I, I brought up in the very beginning you know when we first started you know our conversation was so you have a, a couple that struggles with infertility so you can see the you know that this is uh, the natural desire for for a child but as you know we learned from our church's teaching that you know no one has a right to a child a child is not some something that we own child has rights too to be raised by their biological parents to be conceived you know in a natural way by their loving parents in the conjugal act to be nurtured and welcomed in the womb of their own biological mother and then to be birthed by their mother and then to be raised by their parents so this is the the rights of a child that that come to bear that no one seems to be concerned so the struggles of couples with infertility is a real very and it's an issue that needs to be pastorally dealt with and to, and to help couples who are struggling and to point them in, 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 in virtuous ways to address those issues, which the church does talk about. And actually, the church does have answers to, to guide them in, in moral means to, to find ways to help them to conceive. And so, but this is not the way in which we, we want to see this moved where it becomes, you know, completely, you know, in, in such a sterile environment outside of what God intends for husbands and wives and for his children. And so this is what happens. So you use that word, Ted, a falsification. That's a good word, you know. So what we see here uh, is a falsification of, of goods, and, and we see what happens when we, when we falsify these. It creates this whole plethora of problems that we see. And the sad thing is, is, you know, what's not told in the story, although I allude to it, is what happens if, you know, if, you know, as this whole process goes, that, you know, maybe there is a, an abnormality. I talked about it a little earlier. What happens as we move further along in the development of the child, you know, within the womb of, of the surrogate mother, and maybe there is a physical abnormality that begins to be uh, reflected and manifested. Maybe uh, the child is, uh, does not have the characteristics that are being seen that they, they wanted. So by contract, you can see how the, the language might say, well, then that child should be terminated and we'll try again. So, so you can see what happens to this child. You know, from the very beginning, the child is treated as a commodity in the desire, you know, not in the natural want of a child, again, which is a natural desire between a husband and wife, you know, open to life, wanting to have children, a beautiful blessing. And, but then, you know, then moving in this direction where now the child is now seen as a, as, as a right, I have a right to a child. No. This is where Donum Vitae speaks about this and where so many of the church's teaching talks about this. And, uh, and so we can see how and that's this... that's the 1987 CDF right. document, Donum Vitae. Exactly. Gift so, of life. Yeah. So, uh -huh. so I think it's, you know, the goal here was to do, and I know what we're doing right now, and I'm hoping that as the listener is, is listening to this discussion, that it's kind of raising, like it does in myself when I write these stories and I talk about them, kind of an unsettledness. And it's a sense of, well, there's something wrong here. I know, I'm pretty yeah, <laughs> perturbed. Because what I think about here, you know, at the end, so even knowing the immorality of these issues, but we're still talking about a human life. As I talk about it at the end of my column, that no matter how this life has come into being, so in this method, 
this is a child of, of uh, that's precious, deserve, deserves to be loved, has human dignity, and has rights. And so, you know, so here we are saying that, you know, even if we have found, you know, this moment where a child has been conceived, engendered in such a manner, this child is, has no less dignity than a child conceived in the natural act between husband and, and it's mother. A, it's a child of God. It's exactly, a, he's a, exactly. It's but a, we don't want to be here again. And that's the, that's right. the goal here is by raising this up, Tad, is we, we, we need to stop this. This is what we need to stop, you know, and we need to move in a direction that respects the child, the rights of the child, respects women. You know that you know that not to be used, you know, for someone else's gain, and what, not an what, assembly line. Exactly, and what's not in the story is which there are many stories like this. You it, you have uh, husbands and wives, you know, and wives of uh, in other countries that you know they don't want to go through the biological process of of develop of a child developing in their womb. Uh, you know, you, I've read articles and stories and heard stories where, you know, women, uh, certain, some women, you know, don't want the stretch marks. They don't want to be inconvenienced by being pregnant, but they want a child. So they hire a surrogate, you know, to carry their husband's child. So then they may be the actual donor of the egg. In most cases, they are. Uh, but in that situation, I mean, again, think of, the, think of all the various ways that this is just not right. This is not just right. Is something really, really wrong here, and it should cause our stomach, you know, to to kind of turn. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty, it's disgusting. I don't want to be uh, unnecessarily offensive, but right. it's 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 grotesque right. practice. It seems like right. a sci-fi, you know, thing. Like I said, Brave New World jumped up right. almost a hundred years ago. So how do we how do we rectify it? You know, this is something you know you know in in this whole time that we've been going through. Uh, with COVID and, and, and vaccines. And, you know, there's been many of us that have been talking about, you know, the, the biomedical industry and the commercialization of, of, of children, you know, in the sense of, uh, of, of elective abortion and, and the use of cells. And so this is not something that should be unheard of in a sense of our, li- our listenership and our readership of, our, of my column is that I've talked about this many times before in other means. So, so the understanding is that, you know, that life and, and the dignity of human life and the respect owed to every human person, you know, uh, is, is where we should have a conversation. And what is the, the, what has God intended in the sense of engenderment, an engendering of a child? And, and where is this to be? And of course, it is very clear in the natural union of husband and wife, in the bonds of marriage, through the conjugal love of spouses, in the conjugal act, where they're open to the gift of human life, through the unity of their love and the transmission of life and the self-giving of each other to each other with the understanding that, that we're, we're welcome human life. This is the cell that God has created. This is how the family is created. And this is where, again, society is built upon. But now we've taken that and we, we have turned it into something that it is not. So we, 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 we redefined it in, in our own language, in our own means. And in many cases, as I brought up earlier, is many times what we've seen is that these industries begin because there's a good they're trying to serve. Okay, so so let, we we want to start there, and we and that, that would be true. I mean, some people start with bad intent and bad uh, desire, but in most cases, because uh, science kind of comes about and medicine comes about because they're trying to address an issue, they're trying to find a way to resolve an issue. Uh, a, a medical issue. It's a human issue. 
And so when you have infertility, you know, so there's a couple of ways to approach it, you know, which uh, our church teaches about in that we can maybe find what is maybe some of the underlying causes of that infertility. Is there a natural way to address those causes, which then would allow the couple to conceive naturally, you know, uh, a child, you know, or are there other uh, other means that are moral means, which the church does talk about, that are available to couples to help them not to replace? So what's happened in in vitro fertilization is the couple has been replaced by a third party. All right. So the generation of the child doesn't occur through the natural act of husband and wife, the conjugal act. A third party has replaced that, and so this is where we get into the immorality of it all. And so it, it, and this is the danger. So that's why if we can just pull back on those reins and not allow ourselves to get pulled into the emotion of the story. And these are emotional stories and they're real stories and they're painful stories. These are human stories. These are human beings. These are mothers. These are our sisters. These are our brothers and sisters in the womb. Some have already been born and sitting in maternity uh, uh, homes, you know, waiting to be, you know, welcomed, you know, by, by the parents that, you know, paid for that service. The biological. Yeah, biological. Or, or some, maybe not biological that's correct. parents, the and ones so, who are legally responsible. So these children, you know, are, are, they're vulnerable. They're, they're left in this, in this moment. So this is, these are real stories, and I don't want us to come across, and I know that we're not, but I want to, th- these are real issues that need to be re- resolved, and, and we don't want to downplay the, the real pain that is in are in these stories, but I think maybe what we're trying to emphasize is that it's created by the choice to do something unnatural and and sinful in the first place, That's which correct. is this process of surrogacy. So actually, really right. starting with the IVF, um, etc. All of the things that go into this exactly kind of manufacturing. So here process. would be is, you know, Tad. So so this is where we are. What do we do with it? But then the other part is how do we prevent ourselves from being here again? Mm-hmm. And you know, it's interesting as I mentioned in the article. <clears throat> is that there are uh, you know, situations of countries where uh, many uh, refugees from Ukraine find themselves, and some of them are surrogate mothers, and it's illegal in those countries. Uh, this we consider human trafficking, so child trafficking. So what happens is, is that they can't stay there. You know? And so if a, if a couple or an individual, because it's not just couples that, that, that pay for surrogate, can individuals you know, can uh, donate their own sperm, donate their egg, and then have a donor you know, completely unknown to them where they just want to be a parent. And so it's not just couples, same-sex couples, it's individuals that are also doing this. And then you also have, you know, which is, again, you can see the how, how this has got so many layers to it. So, but now what they have to, they have to go back to Ukraine because it's one of the few countries, especially in Europe, that it's legal. Back into war. Back into the war zone. So they go back into danger to give birth to their child so that they can fulfill a contract. So this really should make everyone pause and, and realize this, this has to come to an end. It has to stop. But in order for that to stop, you know, which many countries have done, they have made surrogacy illegal. It is illegal. And, that, and I'm, I'm, I, that's great. We need to continue to, to push for that to be a, a universal and, and prevent this from ever happening. But the other thing is we need to get down to the other issue, which is backing up in time and get to the whole in vitro fertilization industry, you know, which is the only way this is surrogacy is possible is because of in vitro fertilization. So we need to get to the other, that other layer where we say this is wrong. You know, children 
should not be you know generated in such a manner so but that requires people to be resensitized you know to to the to the natural ends of marriage and to what god intends for marriage and within marriage and where children are to be engendered welcomed and so but that's that's a bigger story tad because we've lost that ear you know in our in our age well, I think it's a consistent theme, and and what we talk about here is that, and what you write about is that we just don't have, we don't see human life as as uh, inherently right. sacred or dignified. Right, that's right. And so we, and when we don't understand marriage, when we don't understand the ends of marriage, when we don't understand, you know, this unitive and procreative ends that that you know, when we don't understand the nature of marriage and the nature of the human person, these are when these, uh, I would say abominations when these atrocities occur and this falsification none of that those terms don't apply to the children themselves no, at by all. any means not, not no. at all yeah. that's very important and it's good that we keep saying that because i, I, I mean because sometimes people can you know pick a certain clip well, people will misconstrue or exactly no that, that no matter how this child has come into being does not diminish that child's dignity and so we want to make that very clear and i made that very clear in the column and and so but it's you good did. to keep repeating it it's good to keep repeating it and it's the same way we would speak if i may make a little comma that a person who gets into an older age state or into maybe a dementia state or into a difficulty of human life in the sense of moving through time and getting to where they're sickly doesn't diminish their dignity so we would say the same thing in, in every other way we speak of human persons. So same thing is applied here. But with all of that said, we need to say enough. We, we, this should not happen again. You know, this should not make the headlines because it should not be. We should not be in this situation. Children should not be in this situation. Uh, our unborn brothers and sisters are not meant to be exploited. And, and, the, and, the, and, our, and, and women who are in these situations should not be there to be exploited. And, you know, and, and we in the West, you know, our own leadership in the West, our own country should put an end to this. You might call it colonization of the womb. Well, that's a good term. It's a good phrase. And it, it could very equally apply. And I've heard it used by some of our own church leaders. And some of our, our bishops actually have used, you know, similar terminology. And, uh, and so this is a moment. And I'm hoping the column, you know, it's gonna it's gonna probably make a few people angry because they they may look at it and say, you know, you know, uh, we uh, you should be a little more sensitive to the situation uh, in Ukraine, and 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 we are. We this is like I said, this is a real story, real human beings, people with in difficult dilemmas, and they're suffering. I think that's our whole emphasis is that they are real human beings, so people should not have been treated this way in the right. first place. So that's the, and that's what the real issue is. So we got to get underneath it and realize that well, why are they in these situations? Why are women feeling they have to rush back to Ukraine? Even even apart from the context of war, that's exactly. just the reason this comes to the right. headlines. Exactly, right? exactly, and that's why we see the media picking it up because they're 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 using it from a different point and to make a different uh, 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 position. And. Uh, Please go ahead. Well, I just wanted to pick up on this one thing. This is kind of mm -hmm. a, a thought I had about it, but it, it, it's very interesting that you know, I, I think we can largely say the mainstream media falls into this category. But at least anyone, the the, the whatever you want to call it, the anti-life movement or just the general culture mm -hmm. or culture of death. Um, it's very odd that in this particular instance they become uh, you might say pro-natalist, right? Right. Uh, in the case of artificial reproductive technology right. or surrogacy or anything 
you know, whereas for the most part, they're, they're opposed to any kind of generation right. of children, right? Contraception, abortion, whatever you can have. Right. That's not, you know, natural, uh, right. you know, sexual act and generation. It's weird. It's like whatever's unnatural has to be, is the agenda to promote, right? right. And, and, that, and that's a great insight. And I think it's, uh, and I'm hoping that people see that, you know, that what mm-hmm. you bring it up. And I think that when we consider you know what? You know, for example, you know when you when we look in our Western culture and we see uh, it, where it's celebrated, where uh, let's say in this situation a same-sex couple that is uh, in the in the whole media industry or in the theater industry or in the movie industry, and the media picks it up and celebrates. Isn't it wonderful how they were able to have a child? And no one pauses and says, "Well, how did that happen?" You know, and and so in a way, the media wants to celebrate it, and and they do. And but then at the same time, on the other side, they're pro-abortion. You know, they're 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 pro women to make decisions to abort their right. child. Why, why is it only a miracle of life in this case? Right? Correct, and not in this case. Right. So exactly, there's the, there, there's the hypocrisy of it all. And and so so here again, what we want to do is just really put a pause, and 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 ask these moral questions, these ethical questions, and 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 not that you we're going to resolve it in this podcast. But the church has an answer, all right? And the answer is back to what is the very nature of human sexuality? What is the nature of, of marriage, the conjugal act? What does God, has God intended, you know, for where children are to be welcomed and engendered? And, and, and that's the conversation. And, and no one has a right to a child. A child is not a product. A child is not a thing. You know, we're talking about a human being that has rights and rights of its own nature that to, as I mentioned earlier, and that's where the conversation must return. Now, to do that is going to take many podcasts, many people writing, and I want to say there are many people writing on this. This subject should not be unheard from our pro-life audience. It's probably not heard by the other side of the aisle, but we within this movement need to talk about this more. Because the, the understanding here, because you hear people say, for example, you know, well, aren't we for life? So, of course we are. And they will say, well, why don't we, you know, promote, uh, you know, in vitro fertilization? You know, it, it doesn't it bring life into this world? Aren't we for life? And the answer is, yes, we are for life. But. And we're in for, for the, we are for those individual lives who are, who are being conceived. Right. Completely right. against their will and against their right. better, uh, against their better good, you know, but in we, this kind of manufacturing process. Right. Of scientific. But, but what we're saying is that again, yeah. but no one has a right to this mm-hmm. child. So we we have to return back to the language that answers those kinds of questions because those questions are posed all the time. You know, yes, we are for life, but the means by which we are welcome that life are very clear. And, you know, and there are certain ways in which we say are not moral. And this is the part we have to keep talking about. It's just like we would say it's not, you know, uh, adultery, conceiving a child in adultery. Well, that child is sacred. That child is is pure. But the means by which which that happened is a deeply sinful, deeply unfortunate situation. And that's the part where we, as a a pro-life movement, a pro-family movement, and, you know, need to keep talking. We need to not be afraid to answer those kinds of questions or to address, you know, the inconsistencies in people's statements and and to address the fact that that's a falsification, uh, you know, you know, that... That that's being being employed as a reason to to justify an act, and so we need to be very clear, 
so that and, and unashamed of it. You know, there's nothing that, you know, to be we can be respectful at the same time being very firm. But we, we do a very poor job of that in, in, in our arguments. And so as a result, the narrative continues to go the other direction because we don't stand against the narrative. So by by writing the column, it has a two-pronged approach. One is just to spark people's interest. This is what's going on. You know, read deeper into the stories and realize why this is happening. And then the second prong is how do we not have this kind of problem, not just in Ukraine, but how can we not have this issue in India or in Africa or in Latin America or any other part of the world? And Ukraine is not the only place where it's legal. So how do we change laws that protect women from being exploited? How do we advance laws that protect children from being exploited and, and, the, and commodified, commercialized? And how do we change the conversation about, quote, the right to a child, which there is no right to a child? How do we change that narrative? And, and again, at the same time, what we began with, Ted, and that is how do we address the real struggle of husbands and wives who are open to life and are well, want to welcome a child in life and struggling with infertility. We have answers to that. We have responses to that. And we have many ways in which there is a moral means to help couples in certain situations like that. And what we haven't talked about here, obviously, is also the beauty and gift of adoption. And that's a, another subject that we're, I'm going to talk more about later on in upcoming columns. But it, it's important that we, you know, so there's other ways of which we can address these issues and, and still be of assistance in helping people to, you know, I say I'll use that word achieve. I don't like that word, but in a sense for a couple to find another answer so that they find that they are, after all those moral means are employed and they're still unable to conceive maybe their heart can be open to the gift of welcoming a child through adoption. You know, so there's so many ways, and that's part of the narrative. It's part of the conversation. But being sensitive, being pastoral, being firm in what is good and what is not, and what are the moral means and what are the immoral means, these are all part of our, our narrative that we need to not be afraid to speak about. And I'm very proud of many people who are in this conversation, many pro-life leaders, many family leaders, uh, many, even non-Catholic Christians and even non-Christian people are in this conversation about surrogacy and about the commercialization of children. And so it's great to see a lot of people in this conversation trying to change the narrative. So I, I just would like to see more people do this. And and I think we need to to really denounce such behaviors and say, this is we don't want to be here again. We don't need to be in these situations again. And, uh, and, and really, let's look at the real, real issues and not allow the media to control the narrative, not allow, because that's an exploitation too. Just what they're doing is an exploitation. You know, it, it just deepens the wound, you know, because it's, uh, it, it, so, but that's a different, different conversation. Right, right. Well, yeah, I mean, we could go on for, for days with this one. It's, it's a huge, complicated topic, all kinds of layers. And I guess, you know, uh, it's just uh, kind of a tragic situation, and right. we can remember, think about all those frozen children, right. uh, you know, in the petri dishes. Uh, the children conceived in this way, born, right. you know, what kind of lives are they going to have? You know, not necessarily knowing who their biological parents are or who the mother who, you know, gestated them was or anything. It's right. it's it's a all kinds of tragedies. So we exactly. better pray for all these. Uh, and if I may, Tad, before we close, is I think that you know, for for us as a church. 
And, you know, is what is, what is our response here? So, you know, if a, if a couple, you know, who's sitting in our churches, in our pews, and, you know, is struggling, you know, let's say with infertility, and we don't talk about, you know, uh, what's available in the sense of what are the moral means of which can help them? You know, where could they turn? And, and so if all they hear is from the secular world, we have done them a horrible a disservice and a harm. So we, we as a church need to talk about these. We need to find a way to bring this conversation, you know, whether it be in the, like I used to do in, in when I was in parish ministry, we talk about these things during the whole process of preparing for marriage because these are the unknowns. These are things the couple does not know yet of what is forthcoming in their marital life. You know, will they struggle with infertility? Will they have difficulties conceiving a child? You know, and so what what happens in those moments? So we don't want to wait for the crisis. You know, we have to be proactive. And so we need to talk about these things. And, and again, I think we need to do a better job of talking about marriage itself and the nature of marriage and the nature of, 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 of conjugal love. And we, we're not doing a good service to this and to, to God's blessings and, and the beauty of human sexuality and, and the beauty of a child and the wonder of a child and the wonder of a human person. And we need to do a far, far better job of talking about this. And knowing that these kinds of things are out there should force us to do a better job so that we don't do this. We, 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 we repent of these kinds of acts so that we can make better choices and, and really foster uh, you know, a, a better appreciation of human life and a love of life and a love of marriage and a love of, the, of, of, of being a parent and, and, a, and a child, as you said very beautifully, Tad, you know, that wants to be welcomed by their own parent, loved by their own parent, you know, and to be educated and formed and raised. Think of all the, the, the layers of ambiguity of a child that wonders, how did I come into being? You know, and you know, there's two men here. I mean, biology says there's no way that you can conceive a child. How did I come into existence? How do, what happened? You know, who's my mother? And so lots of lots of things. So it's not just as simple, you know, as looking at it at its face value. It's getting underneath it and looking at all of the issues that come to bear and addressing each one of them. And if we do that honestly, then we won't be here again. And, and we'll put an end to these, these, these abuses. And we'll also put an end you know, to the abuse of the, of the fundamental uh, principle that is human dignity. So, so things with you and I will talk about much more in detail as we right. go forward in time. Mm-hmm. So, right. Well, let's pray for that. And let's pray for the end of these, these horrible things. And uh, I want to thank everyone for bearing with us and uh, for tuning in the Culture of Life podcast from Human Life International. Please follow us on all of our platforms. Subscribe on YouTube. uh, Listen on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And uh, we'd love to have you back again. Keep on living the culture of life. God bless.